Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, October 26, 2021. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Facebook whistles past the ATT graveyard, but Zuckerberg wants to target the Utes. Adobe adds support for NFTs. Amazon is coming after Clubhouse, joining the quantum computing race, and lending Project Kuiper to Verizon. And the big review of Apple's new chips calls their performance downright absurd. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Today in the Facebook saga, the company missed slightly on revenue in its earnings report last night, and also missed a bit on monthly active users, but beat on earnings per share. So a bit of a mixed bag earnings report. But the company did avoid the earnings debacle that Snap seemed to experience. Q3 ad revenue grew 33% year-over-year to $28.28 billion, but Facebook nonetheless did warn of continued headwinds in Q4 due to Apple's ATT changes in iOS, quoting ZDNet. Our outlook reflects the significant uncertainty we face in the fourth quarter in light of continued headwinds from Apple's iOS 14 changes and macroeconomic and COVID-related factors, CFO Dave Wenner said in a statement. In addition, we expect non-ads revenue to be down year-over-year in the fourth quarter as we lap the strong launch of Quest 2 during last year's holiday shopping season, end quote. The company's business has already suffered to an extent from Apple's iOS 14.5 update released in April. Blaming Apple's iOS 14 changes, the social media giant gave light fourth-quarter guidance. The company also said it expects its metaverse investments will reduce operating profits by $10 billion for fiscal year 2021 as it begins breaking out Facebook Reality Labs as its own business segment, end quote. Indeed, to underline that, Facebook said in the earnings call that it plans to spend more than $10 billion on its AR and VR initiatives this year, an investment that will include metaverse apps and related hardware, all as a part of reporting the Facebook Reality Labs segment separately starting in Q4. Meanwhile, confirming that demographic concerns are very real for the company, CEO Mark Zuckerberg said he's redirected Facebook teams to serve young adults over older users to, quote, make serving young adults their North Star at the company, and that significant changes to Instagram will lean into video and reels, quoting The Verge. So much of our services have gotten dialed to be the best for the most people who use them, rather than specifically for young adults, Zuckerberg said. He suggested the change will be more than just lip service. Facebook usage among older users will grow slower than it otherwise would have because of the changes, Zuckerberg said. Even with those trade-offs, he said, I think it's the right approach, end quote. Zuckerberg expects the changes to take years. One of the more immediate shifts could be to Instagram, which he says will see significant changes to lean further into video and make Reels, quote, a more central part of the experience, end quote. The shift toward video is very clearly a response to TikTok, which Zuckerberg called, quote, one of the most effective competitors we've ever faced, end quote. Adobe this morning announced content credentials for Photoshop, which lets NFT sellers link their Adobe ID to authenticate the artwork using IPFS, which is coming soon in preview. In other words, Photoshop just got an NFT button, quoting The Verge. 
According to a Decoder interview with Adobe's Chief Product Officer Scott Belsky, this functionality will be built into Photoshop with a Prepare as NFT option launching in preview by the end of this month. Belsky says attribution data created by the content credentials will live on an IPFS system. IPFS, or Interplanetary File System, is a decentralized way to host files where a network of people are responsible for keeping data safe and available, rather than a single company, somewhat similar to how torrent systems work. Adobe says that NFT marketplaces like OpenSea, Rarible, Known Origin, and SuperRare will be able to integrate with content credentials to show Adobe's attribution information. Art theft has been a big deal in the NFT world. There have been many examples of people minting art they didn't create or don't have the rights to on the blockchain. The reason is that anyone can mint an NFT, even if they don't own the copyright to the content, and there's not really anything the blockchain can do to stop that. Worse, the minting is enshrined on the blockchain, making the NFT's creation seem authentic if you're unaware of the original work. Even Banksy, who gets a mention in the Decoder interview, has been caught up by NFT scammers. One NFT collector, ironically named Pranksy, paid $300,000 for an NFT attributed to the famous street artist, which was almost definitely fake. He ended up getting the money back, but there wouldn't have been as much of a fuss if Banksy had digitally signed the NFT. As Adobe's Belsky points out, Banksy probably wouldn't want to link his name and Adobe ID to a crypto wallet, but the system is meant to be open source. It's possible the anonymous artist could figure out some way to provide content credentials verified by the company in charge of authenticating his work. NFTs aren't the only thing that will benefit from Adobe's content credentials, which are a result of its content authenticity initiative. The company is launching the system as a beta, and users can use it to show what edits were made to a file in Photoshop, tag their stock images on Adobe's system, and more, end quote. And also, possibly more consequential, Adobe this morning also announced new Photoshop and Illustrator web apps to improve collaboration, make quick edits, and more. An internal presentation seen by The Verge details Amazon's supposedly forthcoming so-called Project Mike, a live audio app that lets users host radio shows complete with music. Quoting Ashley Carmen at The Verge, This project's big goal is to democratize and reinvent the radio. The app will be focused on the U.S. initially. Listeners will be able to tune in through the app, as well as through Audible, Amazon Music, Twitch, and Alexa-equipped devices. With the Alexa devices, listeners will be able to interact with shows using just their voice. The app experience will also be optimized for the car, playing into Amazon's idea of trying to reinvent radio. A mock-up app image viewed by The Verge depicts a screen listing shows that are currently live, trending topics like hashtag NBA or hashtag Hot 100, and featured creators. Users will also be able to search for content by topic, name, or music. Anyone will be able to pull from Amazon's music catalog to arrange their program. For launch, the company is planning to recruit celebrity talent along with smaller tastemakers to help launch the app and populate it with content. Although the app is highly music-focused, programming will center on three other areas, pop culture, comedy, and sports. With this app, Amazon joins the likes of Apple, Spotify, and even Sonos, which are looking to program radio-adjacent content. All these companies work with music curators to host shows and try to replicate the radio experience digitally. In Amazon's case, it might see the benefit of this app as something that can be localized. Shows can be catered to where a person lives, and they could even receive ads based on that location too. Plus, with interaction being able to happen through Echo devices, the call-in experience can also be replicated. 
Clubhouse popularized the idea of live audio, but it has yet to find a way to allow people to play music from major artists on their app. It also is more focused on being a social network than a place to get all someone's audio needs met, end quote. Hmm, maybe time to bring back everyone's favorite parlor game from the beginning of the year, which is Wither Clubhouse. Amazon is joining the quantum computing race by launching a center for quantum computing at Caltech, joining the U.S., China, IBM, Microsoft, Google, and other rivals in researching the topic, quoting the Washington Post. Amazon will base its quantum team at a new center on the campus of Caltech in Pasadena, California, which officially opens this week. Caltech described it as the first corporate partnership building on the university's campus, showing Caltech's interest in bringing fundamental science to the marketplace. The investment reflects growing corporate interest in quantum computers, which are still at an early stage of development, but could someday crack problems that existing computers can't, such as identifying new materials to capture and remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, or new chemical compounds to treat intractable diseases. In the defense sphere, some scientists believe quantum computers might someday be able to break existing forms of encryption, making them a hot development priority for the United States, China, and other nations." End quote. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot literally cannot live or at least work without it. 1Password. 1Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. 1Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using 1Password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months or worse. That laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride.
Amazon is also partnering with Verizon to use Amazon's Kuiper satellite network to expand 4G and 5G coverage to rural and remote locations globally, quoting The Verge. Amazon is partnering with Verizon to use Kuiper for satellite-based cellular backhaul, allowing, in theory, for Verizon to expand access to its 4G and 5G networks to more rural and remote locations without having to lay cables for more traditional connectivity methods. Instead, Verizon would be able to build 4G and 5G towers in rural and hard-to-reach areas without digging trenches to lay fiber cables, something that is both difficult and sometimes cost-prohibitive. By removing the need to lay fiber and cable in these remote areas, the deal could expand Verizon's reach in areas that suffer from low cellular connectivity. There are billions of people without reliable broadband access, and no single company will close the digital divide on its own, Andy Jassy, Amazon CEO, said in a statement. Verizon is a leader in wireless technology and infrastructure, and we're proud to be working together to explore bringing fast, reliable broadband to customers and communities who need it most, end quote. Kuiper declined to say how much Verizon is paying for the service. Such a reality is still quite a ways off, though. Amazon's Kuiper has yet to launch any satellites. As part of its launch license with the Federal Communications Commission, Kuiper must launch at least half of all of its satellites, or 1,618 spacecraft, by 2026. In April, Kuiper announced that it had purchased nine launches of the United Launch Alliance's Atlas V rocket to send its first batch of satellites to orbit, end quote. Speaking of space... Did you see that Blue Origin has revealed plans for a future commercial space station that it's calling Orbital Reef? Because if you're in the business of space tourism, it would be cool to give your tourists somewhere to go and hang out for a little while, maybe do some work, quoting The Verge. The future space station will begin operating in the second half of this decade, according to Blue Origin, providing a place for researchers, industrial and commercial customers, and international partners to visit and work. With an internal volume nearly as large as the International Space Station's, Orbital Reef will be able to house up to 10 people with separate areas for living and conducting science, according to Blue Origin. The company claims that Orbital Reef will be a mixed-use business park in space that will have multiple ports and berths for visiting spacecraft and modules, along with various utilities and amenities. Blue Origin boasts that the space station will have an open system architecture that will allow a variety of people and customers to use the facility. A list of possible users included space agencies, media and travel companies, entrepreneurs and investors, tech companies, and more, according to Blue Origin. Blue Origin also claims that it will provide end-to-end services for anyone wishing to use the station from transportation, leasing space, technological assistance with hardware, and robotic services, end quote. But back to that term that I just quoted, we were promised cool rockets and space travel, a Jetsons future, and our... Billionaire space pioneers slash patrons want to give us, checking notes again, a mixed-use business park. Exciting stuff. If you want confirmation that the new M1 Pro and M1 Max chips from Apple are beasts, I direct you to this typically in-depth review from Anantech. I think the best summary of this article comes from the conclusion Quote, the M1 Pro and M1 Max change the narrative completely. These designs feel like truly systems on a chip that have been made with power users in mind, with Apple increasing the performance metrics in all vectors. We expected large performance jumps, but we didn't expect 
some of the monstrous increases that the new chips are able to achieve. On the CPU side, doubling up on the performance cores is an evident way to increase performance. The competition also does so with some of their designs. How Apple does it differently is that it not only scaled the CPU cores, but everything surrounding them. It's not just four additional performance cores, it's a whole new performance cluster with its own L2. On the memory side, Apple has scaled its memory subsystem to never-before-seen dimensions, and this allows the M1 Pro and Max to achieve performance figures that simply weren't even considered possible in a laptop chip. The chips here aren't only able to outclass any competitor laptop design, but also competes against the best desktop systems out there. You'd have to bring out server-class hardware to get ahead of the M1 Max. It's just generally absurd. On the GPU side of things, Apple's gains are also straightforward. The M1 Pro is essentially 2x the M1, and the M1 Max is 4x the M1 in terms of performance. Games are still in a very weird place for macOS and the ecosystem. Maybe it's a chicken and egg situation. Maybe gaming is still something of a niche that will take a long time to see, make use of the performance of the new chips that they're able to provide in terms of GPU. What's clearer is that the new GPU does allow immense leaps in performance for content creation and productivity workloads, which rely on GPU acceleration. To further improve content creation, the new media engine is a key feature of the chip. Particularly video editors working with ProRes or ProRes RAW will see a many-fold improvement in their workflow as the new chips can handle the formats like a breeze. This alone is likely to have many users of that professional background quickly adopt the new MacBook Pros. For others, it seems that Apple knows the typical MacBook Pro power users and has designed the silicon around these use cases in which Macs do shine. The combination of raw performance, unique acceleration, as well as sheer power efficiency is something that you just cannot find in any other platform right now, likely making the new MacBook Pros not just the best laptops, but outright the very best devices for any task." End quote. And let's end today with a super quick summary of the 9 to 5 Google review of the Pixel 6 Pro smartphone. They call it an impressive flagship from Google with excellent cameras, all-day battery life, and charging speeds up to 30 watts. But the fingerprint sensor is not super quick, among other niggling concerns. Quoting the conclusion of the review... The Pixel 6 Pro is a phone I'd describe as refreshing. For Google, it marks a new chapter in not just the company's smartphone lineup, but also its hardware ambitions as a whole. The Tensor chip inside is a huge bet for the future, and as far as it looks right now, it seems like the odds are in Google's favor. More impactful, perhaps, is what this means for customers. The Pixel 6 Pro is an $899 flagship smartphone that really has no significant flaws. There are a couple of minor quirks, sure, but almost everything here is on par with the competition. It has a display nearly as good as Samsung's, performance as good as OnePlus, a camera that gives Apple a run for its money, and practical software features that outclass just about everyone, all with support longer than any other Android phone. The only thing that really undermines the Pixel 6 Pro is its sibling, the $300 cheaper Pixel 6. We'll have more to say on that model soon, but the Pro's few advantages, such as the telephoto camera, better screen, and additional memory, don't always feel worth the extra cash. However, I feel confident saying that just about anyone would be happy with the Pixel 6 Pro, something I don't think I've ever said about a flagship Pixel since the first one. This is the one we've all been waiting for, end quote.
That's all for today. Talk to you tomorrow.